who's actually a celebrity. And I feel like Jennifer Aniston had it really good in a recent article being like, Oscar parties used to be fun. Like now like people aren't really celebrities that go. And like when people didn't want to accept Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie as celebrities, but I was like into that and everything, mm -hmm. we're kind of at that crossroads again where it's like the influencers with like hundreds of millions of followers, like people don't want to accept those as celebrities, but then like Gen Z does. So it's cyclical, I think. Welcome to the Social Complex Podcast, where we are diving into the complex impact and influence of social media on brands, brains, and the bigger picture of our modern world. Here's your host, Hillary Applegate. Welcome back to another episode of the Social Complex Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking all about pop culture and how digital media has completely shifted the way that we view, interact, and frankly, look up to celebrities. I am joined today by guest Andy Hall, who is in brand partnerships at Magic Links. Magic Links is an influencer platform working with over 25,000 influencers and 4,500 brands. Andy and I had a blast talking all about his past in PR and working with celebrities at talent agencies in LA and how he has transitioned into affiliate marketing after years of working with celebrities all over California, New York, and beyond. Andy and I have some theoretical conversations about what is happening in pop culture at this moment, as well as the implications of our cell phones, Twitter, and easy accessibility to celebrities and influencers changing how celebrity culture and pop culture have transformed with technology. Let's get into it. So, Andy. Yes. When you were just a wee little one, what was that first inclination that you were like, wait, I think I might know what I want to do with my life? I would say, like, I went through a lot of, you know, weird ones. I remember, like, in, when I was five, I wanted to be a school bus driver. And six, I wanted to be, like, a teacher or a cashier. Like, all these things, just, like, I see jobs. I'm like, oh, that looks cool. You get to press all those buttons. You get to press buttons on a bus. Like... I was very impressionable as a young child, you know? Maybe that's, my parents got me even very sheltered. So whenever I'd see a new thing, I'd be like, ooh, that looks cool. Um, but as far as kind of like the tra trajectory that I'm on now, I'd say I was always into like VH1. They had all these really good, like the fabulous life of shows. And then, you know, MTV had a show called Power Girls about celebrity publicists. And, you know, that really kind of got my goat being like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, really interesting. Like you can be paid just to be kind of like a hanger honor and not like an actual celebrity. So that's kind of like where I kind of saw everything. And then I remember vividly at a store in the Midwest called Meyer, I got my first job being a lifeguard, maybe making a hundred dollars a week, very big money, uh, like $5 an hour. And I bought my first like celebrity weekly. And I think like Mary Kate also and was on the cover and I was just like so infatuated by that and like I really wanted to be a part of that you know celebrity driven culture and a lot of the time that was just in print and not as much online because I think it was just starting you know online like you could do like bigger um, gigabytes online because you know images would take up a lot of stuff that's when like MySpace was just taking off and you know it was very granulated pictures so to get those high quality ones you'd buy these magazines and I was just infatuated by that and wanted to like kind of carve my lane of like okay what could I do and then I was like okay I can go to college for public relations and then kind of you know move out to LA after I graduate uh, my grandparents were lucky enough to invest in a scholarship um, so as long as I stayed in the state of Ohio, I would have my college covered for. 
So I did that and went to Ohio University and, you know, majored in public relations in their journalism school. And then I kind of hit like an inroads being like, oh, do I really want to do PR? I was thinking about working for Abercrombie and Fitch as like a manager and going to the retail route, even though that's not what I went to school for. And just staying in Ohio and keeping my, you know, dreams modified and low. And then I worked two jobs that summer and saved up $10,000. And, you know, it's like, you know, let me try L.A. for once. You know, like I can do move out there for three months, always have a safety net back home, moving with my parents. Not ideal, but, you know, they'd be willing to, you know, house me after, you know, my dreams crumble. Uh, but that didn't happen. So <laughs> that's amazing. And I think that that's definitely having that safety net almost helps enable your wings to flap a little bit and go For try sure. something new like it you the fact yeah. that you know you're not going to end up on the street is a huge blessing that definitely can give you a lot of opportunity even just to try something even if you didn't have yeah. the connections or you know being able to show up at someone's doorstep and have an interview it's like that in and of itself is a huge nudge towards your optimal goal and good on you for not staying in the safe lane you could have stayed yeah. safe and when you were saying that, I was like, he chose to stay outside of his box, and that was a good thing for the world and good thing for Andy. Yeah, because I always would prefer to be a big or a small fish in a big pond, just because I I kind of like the chase. Like now, I feel like even in Miami, I'm still a small fish in a big pond, yes. even though it's much smaller than LA. I like the challenge, and I like kind of like being scrappy and hustling and like yes. climbing my way up the social ladder or whatever it may be, or corporate ladder, I I like that and I'm hungry and I'm willing to do, you know, things that people won't do, like stay the extra hours, even if you're not being compensated, just to, you know, play the game where like people will appreciate that and appreciate you working harder than other people. So we know where you stand on the term quiet quitting then, right? Yeah, oh, no. No. <laughs> I, I was like, I write and die for all my companies. Like yeah. I said, you know, like whatever you guys need me to do, just name it. As long as it's legal and everything, I will be up to do it. So, but yeah. that's the long game right there. That's being yeah. able to look and see that when shit's hitting the fan or when the opportunities are arising, who are they going to look at in the roster to say, this is the person who is going to be who we can lean on and who we can rely on. Yeah. And that for is sure. Andy. Yeah. And I even had like, Speaking of quiet quitting, like when I quit my first, like I'd say it's my first technically real job working for artists and brand where I did celebrity endorsements and really had two feet firmly in the industry. I'd been there almost six years and I felt like almost guilty leaving the company because they'd really taught me so much. So like when I went in to finally give my two weeks, I think it was only a week notice too because I needed the paycheck. So I couldn't do two weeks because that week I wouldn't have got paid for like I, I couldn't financially recover, I guess you could say, to quote Joe Exotic. But yeah, I was like so nervous going in and I went in and I just burst into tears and my boss had thought someone in my family had died. Like that's how like I was just sad. Like I felt guilty about leaving and she's like, no, like we're happy for you just because there was another case that did not go that way for a coworker. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was – they're going to be like, well, you're working for a competitor. You're dead to us. Like – but pack up your laptop now, like you're done. And yeah. it couldn't have been like a warmer embrace. And they were so happy for me. So it was good. Maybe the tears helped a little bit. Soften the happy. blow. Yeah, no, no, no. And I, yeah, I'm firmly against quiet quitting. It's just like, you know, be a decent person. Say like, hey, you know, it's not working out. Like I appreciate the opportunity, but like let's just go our separate ways rather than like, 
hey, I'm just not going to respond to emails and you can kind of get the hint where I'm not working for your company anymore yeah. or something like that. No. And I, I think there's something to be said about really putting your best foot forward, not just for the company, because ultimately, I mean, companies don't have souls, you know, it's an organization, it's a business and yeah. they don't really care when it comes to cutting or, you know, all the layoffs that are happening. It's like, yeah, the emotion's going to come from the people. But you do the great work for great people. And you, you yeah. want to have that connection to where when you do leave, because again, you're going to take the not safe route. You're going to yeah. let your wings fly and see where it mm -hmm. takes you. But you have to put your best foot forward where you're at so that you can get the opportunities to grow and to get better yeah. at it. And I remember my boss saying like, hey, where are all the passwords? Like if you get hit by a bus tomorrow and we need to know everything like and it was just kind of like, I mean, it was a matter of fact, but it was true. Like, hey, like if somebody quits or somebody like gets hit by bus, God willing, they don't. But like they're just going to hire somebody else new. Like they'll grieve for a little bit, but it's just like you are replaceable at the end of the day. Yeah. Like every all employees are. So. So find your value outside of yes. the workplace, but also exactly. like do great work. Yes. Yes, for sure. So L.A., you're there. Yes. Bright eyed, bushy tailed, yes. fresh out of Ohio. Yeah, so I go out to LA. I, so I find a. This is I don't recommend this, but I found the internship off Craigslist, and then they. So I already paid everything. It was for Different formal time. PR, which I'm. I think is a legit PR agency. Brava. Um, but then they had to re like they had to reschedule my thing, and I was only in town for thirty six hours. I booked it, so it's just like the cheapest. Um, and they couldn't do it. So I got back on Craigslist, which I was thinking was indeed at the time of like 2011 or LinkedIn. To be fair, um, it was. Looking, yeah, maybe it was. And I was ahead of my time. And then this Tyler Burnett PR was like, okay, we're looking for interns unpaid. The other job was paid. And I said, I would only move out if it was a paid internship because I, that money would go fast, which it did. I ended up getting the, um, the internship with Tyler Burnett PR. I, I had this huge portfolio of like everything I'd done in my internship, which was at a technical college in Ohio, where I was in their marketing PR department, which was run by one person. So I was like taking pictures, writing press releases. So it was great to get my hands dirty everywhere, but it was just not that glamorous at the end of the day. Yeah, for um, sure. So Tyler was like, hey, you know what? You're a Beverly, because the office was in Beverly Hills. He's like, you're a Beverly Hills guy. You're not an El Segundo guy, which that's where the office was in El Segundo, which is by the airport for anybody that doesn't know. It's so it's a very less glamorous part of LA. Uh, but that's where Formula PR was. Um, so yeah, I stayed with him for three months as an unpaid intern, three months as a paid intern, and then three months as an assistant. And then we did this um, event for Hustler Hollywood for their grand opening because they were in our building. We were not an adult-style PR agency, but we <laughs> did an adult brand, which was Hustler Hollywood. And I remember just working with talent and red carpets, and like, it, like that was really exciting me. Not just like we had a dentist's office, and I do like Celebrity Smile Tuesday on like their Facebook page, and yeah. it was just like not ideal. So that was really cool when um, a friend who I'd met like through the social scene was like, hey, send me your resume. I know somebody who's hiring. And I interviewed for that company for four times, artist and brand. And they're like, sorry, we need somebody that needs to start right away. I'm like, I'm not going to burn any bridges in town by like giving them not a two weeks notice. And they're like, sorry. So the girl they hired that could start right away, she ended up not working out. So they called me like two weeks later. Like, hey, we made the wrong decision. Do you still want the job? Oh, like, you don't yes. say. <laughs> Didn't even counter on 
can't counter on the salary just because it was more than I was making. I was like, yeah. yes, yes, I'll work for Pebbles, like whatever. Um, but yeah, so then I stayed there for six years and kind of climbed the corporate ladder. Um, got to go to Las Vegas for licensing expo. Got to go to these so many cool events, walk clients on the red carpet, really Oscar parties. Not not like the premier ones, but like off like a, 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 like adjacent ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just that really exposed me to everything in LA that I could possibly see, and it was really good learning experience. Um, and you know, I got to negotiate commercial deals, um, uh, you know, p- paid paparazzi shots, and then kind of social media deals was my you know bread and butter, and kind of has followed me since. But yeah, I remember, um, I don't, it really wasn't, people weren't getting paid. Like maybe YouTubers were getting paid, but that was it for online posting in 2012 when I started. So we've come a long way in the past 10 years. Oh, you bet we have. And I feel like you were working in that scene at a very pivotal time because we were starting to see the shift from, you know, the gossip mags into the digital ecosystem and the paparazzi shots. I mean, there's so many questions I could ask you yeah. about this, especially the first one that yeah. comes to mind. I think it was, was it Gigi Hadid who like got mad at the uh, fact that they couldn't share photographer photos? Yeah, so it's, that c- it's really big because technically, you know, some paparazzi will follow up with you being like, hey, you need to either credit me or pay me for the photo or take it down. And a lot of times they did not follow up with it. It was just kind of like whatever. Like that's just, you know, we got our shot. So we're selling it to the magazines online. So we're making our money still. But now I think because it's such a competitive industry and price rates have went down so low. Like Daily Mail will do one article on Gigi Hadid and they'll probably have 27 shots. And probably 16 of them are like the same shot. But like she's like different. Like like, so a flip book almost you could do. Mm -hmm. Um, But now since they're maybe getting like hundreds up to $1,000 for all those photos, it's not like that exclusive like Brad and Jen in Kenya – uh, or Brad Angelina in Kenya on the beach where it's like sold for a million dollars. Like yeah. those days are long past. So now with everything, I think it's just they want to be paid and compensated and they did take the shots. But it is kind of like an invasion of privacy, but they're in public space. So it's a weird dichotomy. To it is interesting. And, yeah. and do you think that's because everybody now has a camera on them at all times? Yeah, everybody's a paparazzi, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's like just the quality of the shot. So I think when I did paid paparazzi shots, when it was like with product, so like candies, for instance, would do paid paparazzi shots and they would be like, okay, like hold the product like this, but obviously they already hired the photographer, all the rights are away, and then they'll just post it on their Instagram and then they would shop the photos to like Just Jared or Daily Mail and be like, oh, she's pictured in her candies onesie while crossing the street. And yeah. then there'll be a link. Um an affiliate link so they can track the sales as well. So it's like so many different steps, but all steps lead to, you know, the consumer buying the product. Okay. So I have to ask you, since this is your area of expertise. Yes. Pete Davidson and Emrata. Yes. What about... Are we thinking that that's a PR relationship? Or are Um, we thinking that it's legit? I mean, I think maybe... I mean, on Emrata's part, because I mean, she's going through a breakup, she maybe is looking for different press to not focus on the breakup so much. Mm-hmm. That's what I would think. I think it is real because I did not think Kim and Pete were real at all at first. <gasps> really? I was, like, I was like, no. I mean, I've studied this and everything. This is not, you know, real life. 
Um, and sure enough, it was because I was just like, okay, he's been around the block already. Like, I don't think she would be like, okay, I'm going to take damaged goods and be like, okay, make him into like the hus- <laughs> perfect husband and everything. But think, sure enough, like I totally thought they were real because I was like, there's no way that she was, you know, like I don't think she was going to make a husband out of him. I think he was exactly yeah, what she was looking just for. Just a fun rebound. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. I guess after the fact, but at first, I'm just like, no, like because they were like at. Six Flags, I think, or Disneyland, or something, riding roller coasters. Oh, yeah. people. And it I was, was just like, not very far. Like, yeah, you know, but not very far. Like, what? Why are you here? I mean, they closed it down, though. It's like, let's see. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of crazy how, you know, people will get into relationships. I definitely know, like, of hearing stuff in the past of, like, okay, like, I think it would be good for our clients to date, uh, you know, you know, PR wise and, you know, to get them more money and TV shows, movies, make them more famous, stuff like that, that does happen. But I, for this and for Emrata and P, I don't know, like it could be, I, I just don't know anymore because it's just like, first off, when is Pete Davidson, the hottest commodity, the George Clooney of our generation? I think it's the funny. I, I think <laughs> yeah. that like, I, I think girls are just not that interested in like the sexy as much as they're into like the yeah. humor and the like lightheartedness, I guess. I don't know. I don't. I'm yeah, not, it's. I'm not fully aware. It's it's strange because it's just like I remember. I have a group chat with like three of my girlfriends from college, and we're always like, "No, like this can't be real." Like, and then sure enough, it is. So, with PR and yeah. you know public image, especially back in the day when you would be crafting and curating someone's mm-hmm. look, like you would essentially be in charge of. You know, their their entire publicist team is the one yeah. that controls their image and how they're talked about. I think a lot of people don't understand that when a bad media hits about to go out on somebody, generally they know it's coming. So like they have a publicist, and, but they're um, it's on a monthly retainer. So say they're like, I'm only going to pay – like I'm a cheap celebrity. I'm only going to pay for a celebrity for three months and it's while my show's premiering the beginning of the year – or while my movie is going on. Because a movie or the TV show, they'll have a like a, a publicist for that entity, but it won't be a personal publicist. So they'll be like, hey, we booked you on Good Day LA, um, and you're going to go on Good Morning America because we're an ABC show. And for personal publicists, they'll look like, okay, we're going to pitch you for L. We're going to pitch you this. And a lot of those are long lead times. So you almost have to be on like at least six months out of the year because it's going to take two months before you can get the cover or the article, and then it won't come out for another two months as well. So it's like four to six months before you see kind of like all of their hard work go into fruition, if you will. So it can hurt a celebrity if like they're like, hey, like I don't want to pay for all of this. Whatever press happens, happens. But that's not really smart. But it's again like it can be anywhere from I think right now it's like four to eight K a month on average for a retainer for like if you're – a high profile celebrity mm-hmm. um, or I'd say A or B, B list, maybe like if you're A plus list, it might be 10 to 15 K just because you're probably only dealing with a couple of clients of that stature. Yeah. Um, but yeah, celebrity publicists definitely have their work cut out and like crafting statements like the Kim Kardashian statement was definitely crafted by a publicist. The Balenciaga. Balenciaga. Yes. yes. So it was just like, let's give it a moment to breathe and then mm-hmm. let's come up with something that's going to make me look good. So make me not look bad. And yes, I will like, say the Kardashians publicist team is always working overtime. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And they are the same right now. They've been with a couple different PR groups, but the one they're with right now, I know JLo is also rep by that team. 
and they're based in New York, but they have people in LA and like I've they're definitely like top top shelf and like yeah. know what they're they're doing. So you had all of this, you know, funneling through only a handful of different outlets, you know, <laughs> TV, radio, print, and then, you know, events. And that was kind of where yeah. it was back in the 90s. And now we're getting to the point where, you know, digital has entered the picture and the celebrities have direct access to their audiences and that they can have that, you know, immediate Instagram post, TikTok post, whatever it may be. And that's just opening the floodgates for conversation and community building, but also yeah. potentially like some negative ramifications. So they can be their own worst enemy if they don't like put up like a curated look. Because yeah. I've worked with talent before where it's just like a mess. Like it's good you're involved in social justice causes or like whatever charities are really passionate to you. But at the same time, like it needs to be a cohesive imagery because it's just like pictures are are really grainy it's just like you're posting videos as well it's just like and all over the place so it's really and those people will max out at like maybe a hundred thousand 125 thousand just because it's not easy to follow like it's all over the place yeah so it's good just to like have you know a very curated look because that's gonna like you know i think be more palatable to your fans rather than just kind of being like almost too honest where it's like okay like I don't know if I like this talent or celebrity. <laughs> like they're crazy. Hot take from you. Yeah. Do you think that curation of platforms is on behalf of a celebrity would be considered inauthentic or do you think that it is a different? I think there's a fine line because it definitely can be inauthentic, but I feel like if you're still like getting across like maybe your humor or just like your style, like that's, I mean, I feel like that's a good look and just like it helps move your career along or just keep you at an elevated level rather than, hey, I'm going to take this like picture of me and my family at the lake. Like Sydney Sweeney got in trouble because she, she was having people who were thinking they were Make America Great Again people and half the people didn't like it, half the people did. And it was just like it was just too much, I think, for that, for her page. And then she had to like constantly defend herself. Yeah. Uh, for just like taking pictures with family members. This is America. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so got you slipping up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How has celebrity culture evolved with the introduction uh, of digital media? Well, it's anyone can be a celebrity now. Like we have so many people on our platform between 50,000 and 850,000 subscribers on YouTube that 99% of people are not going to know. Like, and they're, they're considered influencers, but not celebrities. So, but then like you could have Addison Ray or uh, Charlie DeMio who have all these like hundreds of millions of followers where they're only known by like a Gen Z population, but they have all these followers. So it's just a weird kind of process now where like who's actually a celebrity. And I feel like Jennifer Aniston had it really good in a recent article being like, like Oscar parties used to be fun. Like now, like people aren't really celebrities that go and like she was just caught putting the nail on the head. Like. It is. It's just kind of like the days of like when Paris Hilton and where people didn't want to accept Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie as celebrities, but I was like into that and everything. Mm -hmm. We're kind of at that crossroads again where it's like the influencers with like hundreds of millions of followers, like people don't want to accept those as celebrities, but then like the Gen Z does. So I th it's cyclical, I think. So. Yeah. And it comes back to skill, I think, that, you know, if there's an inherent skill 
yeah. that someone has. Other than Jennifer... just doing TikTok dances. Yeah, like... like, I mean, Jennifer Aniston is an actress, yes. you know? And then with Paris Hilton, I think that's a really good point as far as they were socialites. And it's like, okay, yeah. so your dad's rich. Like, yeah, sweet. You go to a new party. But it shows that there's an interest and an intrigue almost in living a lifestyle or having a persona that people can buy into and that they can – for you know, sure. ad- admire at least. Yeah. And I think it helped because the simple life, it was just kind of like that stupid comedy where it was just kind of like, oh, like, that's so funny. What's Walmart and like all this other stuff. And then like their oh fashion um, too. So people are like emulating both those things. So because I feel like she was on the party scene for a good like two to three years before that. But only people like New York and L.A. knew her. So do you think and- that reality TV was the gateway drug from yes, celebrity into <laughs> Because I remember watching MTV, like Real World Road Rules, Real World Road Rules Challenges. Like those were our celebrities, mm-hmm. but we knew they weren't real celebrities. They were just yeah. like people we were fans of. I'm like, oh, like I could so relate to this person. I know like if we met, we'd be like the best of friends or something. So We had Jersey Shore. Yes, yes. Well, that's amazing that that's lasted 13 years. I think I just saw an article it premiered like in December of 2009. And just kind of like they remained relative like – famous for all this time like obviously it ebbs and flows Mm -hmm. but i mean and then their show rebounded with jersey family jersey shore family vacation so it's just it's its own beast and then of course you have the bachelor and bachelorette yeah see that's like one thing i have not got into but like i remember like that was like water cooler conversation at my office (laughs) and then like my boss being like oh we need some emily maynard or like whoever it was was, (laughs) a really hot one um that like people resonated with so i listened to an episode actually with an old bachelorette chris uh caitlin bristow and she was talking about how when she was on The Bachelorette uh, because she was a contestant on The Bachelor and then she was crowned and became you know, yep. Bachelorette for her own season. And she was talking about how there was this like moment in time where someone advised her and was pretty much like, you can go ahead and choose the route of you know, like taking little deals of like your sugar bear hair or whatever gummies and like pushing that for like a year, your skinny tea, or you can use this momentum to build something else and build a business. And she's gone on to be a successful entrepreneur and starting like a hair scrunchie. Yeah, too. Yeah, she got to host. More legitimate. Like as a host, but that exactly the fact that she went and she like started a wine company and like started something on her own rather than just becoming a promo girl. I think that's just such an interesting insight into like keeping up your relevancy when it because these shows and being on television and being in the limelight, nothing from a marketing standpoint, can get a single person to that level. Like even influencers yeah. right now who have like all this TikTok. I mean, even Charlie D'Amelio and her whole family yeah. started their reality TV show. Yeah. You know? No, it's crazy because I, like I equate it to like Jordan Woods, former Kylie Jenner friend. Like she's only doing like Fashion Nova posts and like – I mean I think she did Playboy Digital when they relaunched it as kind of like higher brow only fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like I would think that like it would be more curated as far as deals go, but it's kind of like bottom of the barrel. Meanwhile, like I feel like her other Stassi baby is like more diversifying her brand portfolio, working with different brands, but it's not like just Fashion Nova. So yeah, and that different level. I don't know. There's just something there yeah. as far There's as cachet. If it's like 
different brands. Yeah. And, like, Fashion Nova has a certain je ne sais quoi, which is not that great. Like, it's not like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, like, Fashion Nova. Because I feel like there's, like, pretty little things even, like, uh, higher on the hierarchy of, like, fast fashion brands than yeah. Fashion Nova. So, I don't know. Same thing with uh, Love Island. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Love Island. Because it's only the British one that's huge. Like, the the U.S. one, like, it just yeah. flopped, I feel like. Um, but, yeah, all my friends will watch the Love Island UK, and they're really, really invested in it. And then I feel like a fourth of the population of UK watches it. So it's, like, 15, 20 million people. Are you serious? Or 10 million people. <laughs> I think we're at 60 million in, in the whole country. But, oh. but it's, like, it's crazy numbers where it's, like, I can't imagine a fourth of the U.S. watching – Jersey Shore or something like that. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. I mean, yeah. I, I, I love Love Island, but I have to say I was cackling when like a week after they wrapped, because they do film in real time. Yeah. A week after they wrap, people start rolling out their like collaborative fashion Brand lines. Yeah, yeah. No, and for sure. No collaborative fashion lines. <laughs> Not well, okay. even just like, With I'm going to promote I'm you. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the thing, it's like, okay, just pick out the dresses you yes. like that we're about to release and this will be your line that exactly. you design. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are shameless. And like when Kourtney Kardashian's on Boohoo lines, it's like, yeah, I'm sure she's like pen to paper like sketching. Oh my gosh, it's hilarious. So yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about celebrities online. There's pros and cons to those that are being online that I feel like we've talked a little bit about. But for those that stay offline and those that choose not to have a public profile or a public face, what do you think are some of those like big, you know, big wins or big losses on either side? And what would you say is best case scenario. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Jennifer Lawrence still doesn't have online presence. I'm mm -hmm. almost positive. But it just like it just comes down to your work then as your relevance. Like yeah. if you have a couple bombs, that's gonna be bad for you. But like at least you could have had 30 million followers where, hey, if you need to do a deal, brand deal just to remain relevant and to make money, you have that in your back pocket. Like Sydney Sweeney was saying how she has to do like brand deals now because she's not getting residuals on the shows because it's HBO Max or something like that. Um, and because she does like so many, I, I feel like I always see her, she's Mew Mew, and then um, uh, skincare and some other things that she's doing, but she's constantly doing brand work. And a big part of that is because of her social presence. Mm -hmm. So I think as long as you're relevant in movies, but like even like, Julia Roberts has flops. So it's just like you never know where like the money train stops rolling in and you have to diversify where you're getting money from. I think that can hurt you because you're going to need your socials when the film money stops coming in or TV money. Yeah. And I think that probably was really apparent in 2020, right? Yes. Because, yeah, you couldn't work at all. You couldn't work for like a good solid three months because I think like the first thing started in like late June shooting again and that was like just like smaller productions and then Tyler Perry had like a summer camp where it's like everyone's going to stay on this campus we're going to test people three times a day if you test wrong you're out but we're going to keep everybody in this bubble and like we're going to film like two episodes a day I was like how do you how do you like film two episodes a day how do you memorize all of that but what a crazy it's, it's crazy but yeah so I think it's definitely and especially for working actors as long as you have some social presence you can still do social deals like it's just a good thing to have in your back pocket when... so let's talk about controversy with that okay 
because obviously we already hit on Kim and Balenciaga yeah. a little bit, but yeah. brand partnerships, I think we always talk about how influencers or celebrities can negatively mm-hmm. impact like between that relationship. The celebrity yeah, does think, something scandalous and then it hurts. For sure. The brand. And it doesn't even have to be scandalous now. It's just whatever you perceive as scandalous. Mm-hmm. Whatever uh, you know, an audience perceives as scandalous. Whether you're not being body positive enough, um, you know, whether it's any inf- uh, inferred social or political leanings, like with Sydney Sweeney. Yeah. So it's just kind of like everything, people are looking to be offended and clutch their pearls about everything now. So it's almost like, like uh, people, you could be doing a clothing campaign. Well, why are you using a leather bag? Like, I'm vegan. This is offensive. Like, it's just so crazy that everything's offensive now. So it's like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Um, but I think it's just kind of like, it's hard because it just, what the media will pick up on and what the media will run with of being like, okay, this is offensive enough. We're going to run a story about it. Yeah. So it's up to them to kind of, you know, be the judge, jury and executioner. Like, okay, this is celebrities who we're going to make or who we're going to break. So it's scary times and just like almost makes it not fun to be online because you're like, okay, like I think this is lighthearted, but is someone going to get offended by it? Like, especially with humor. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm seeing almost a reckoning of uh, like people getting offended by things though, where we're starting to kind of correct. I think, you know, a few years yeah. ago it was very sensitive uh-huh. um, in For a lot sure. of respects, but I think that people have taken it a little bit like far enough that it's, we're starting to correct as a society a little bit and be like, okay, no, no, yeah. no, no. Like it, it, yeah, this no, is okay. I hope we're, yeah. But yeah, it's just crazy what things. And I think too, um, with like David Beckham being um, associated with the World Cup because of human rights injustices, like that's like, it's hard because it's just like, you know, a big organization chose to have, you know, the World Cup here. That was already done. They're not, there's nothing we can do to change that. So it's like for him to like work with that and profit off of it. Is he really wrong at the end of the day? Because so many other people like, or what about people traveling there? So it's like you can really break it down in so many different levels of like, okay, well, if he's wrong, then isn't this person wrong too? And like, aren't soccer players wrong for going? It's just like crazy of how you can interpret that. And I think that the World Cup is a really good example because there has been so much controversy and so many questions about human rights and, you know, the the rainbow armbands with yep. showing support for, you know, queer communities. And you're all yeah. of a sudden like, you know, we're that's not happening. And it's like there's even this things like there's no alcohol at the World yes. Cup and people are like, what? So, I mean, on the I scale know. of like intense, you know, world rights versus beer, <laughs> drastically different, but it, it gives is. you like a plethora of things to really think about and have, you know, productive conversations about, is it going to change what is happening today? No, probably not. Like, no, definitely yeah. not. I mean, you know, yeah. the train is already running down the runway at this point. Exactly. So, but, like, people getting on soapboxes, is it really helpful? Or is it just, like, virtue signaling, I feel like? Because that's fair. it's almost – because I saw, like, a lot of, like, backlash. I, Daily Mail is, like, one of my favorite websites. It just has ah. so many news, so many pictures. The pictures is what So many me. pictures. But, and like, so long. They, it is so, so thorough. Each article is like average read ten minutes just because all the pictures. <laughs> You're like, great, I'm here. <laughs> um, but they follow like a lot of um, uh, footballers, soccer players that are you know commentating and everything, and they kind of got on their soapboxes, being like, "I'm there to you know shine a light on everything." And they're like, "Are you really? Are you 
trying to virtue single, being like, I'm a good person. I'm just accepting a paycheck from bad people. I mean, that's a that's a really good question. And I think it's yeah. something worth, you know, keeping a keen eye on. And I think that for th- events like the World Cup, I think that a lot of stripes are going to be earned once the limelight is gone. Like once yeah. the cameras are not rolling and everyone is out of, you know, Qatar, then I think what are the changes and shifts that are actually going to like happen that are going to be, you know, reasonable and realistic? Like how is that actually going to show that you like truly deeply do like care? And I also think that it's okay for people, different people to have different perspectives on it. Like for some groups of people, it might be like incredibly offensive to them and that's okay. And other people are like, I don't, it's not top of mind for me and that's okay. But I think that like having healthy conversation and like understanding one another and, you know, doing eventually like what's right for you and your community and your, you know, Mm -hmm. group. I think that's the the best way forward. For sure. And yeah, it's just everyone wants to be like, there's a clear right and wrong. And it's just like, it's a little more nuanced than that. So that's with, you know, David Beckham um, being out out there. um, And and I think he got like 140 or $200 million, something like crazy, but like, and then I just saw him in a commercial for like uh, Frito-Lay with hot Cheetos or something. Like I saw a Cheetos commercial, I think with him and then um, Peyton Manning or something about football versus soccer uh, and the proper, like when you call it football, when you call it soccer. So like, he's like, Literally, each uh, category with exclusivity. He's like, okay, I can do this chip category. I'm going to do this soda. And then I'm going to do for the country. So like, hey, I mean, but when you're a retired soccer player, I guess you got to get money where you can. Get your bag. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) David. (laughs) For sure. But I think that that's like, that is fascinating. And that's a really good point to bring up though, because David Beckham has his hands in so many different little pots right now. Yeah. And some of them are controversial, but he is not getting like quote unquote canceled to the scale that these other brands are being pulling out. So it's almost, it's only like a subset group of people that are really upset with him, Mm -hmm. not like an overwhelming population. Like we saw with, you know, I would say like Adidas and Kanye Yes, and Balenciaga and Balenciaga and Kim. I mean, yeah, these guys love controversies. They do. It's just yikes. But Kanye was self-inflicted. Yeah, and Adidas dropped him, and so that was like Balenciaga. She was just like, uh, what do you call it? Just like a person in the like adjacent to, I guess, controversy. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, but that goes both ways too. You know, yeah. the the celebrity to the brand and the brand to yeah. the celebrity. And so she, I think she was so proud to get that Balenciaga partnership because, like, so high fashion, so this. She was on billboards, like, taking pictures of herself. And it's like a legitimate brand and high fashion and everything. And it's not like Louis Vuitton's hiring her, like, other brands. So, like, this was a big deal, I feel like, to her. And then to kind of have, like, this kind of poo poo everything. And I mean, she basically can't work with them now because she's going to be canceled or she or people are just going to like not. Oh, not let's make her... a prediction yeah. and then we'll revisit it in a year. What's going to happen <laughs> with Balenciaga and Kim? I'm Daily literally... Mail better quote this. All right. What do you and think is going to happen? I think um, I think all people will be back to buying Balenciaga, but Kim will still probably not be working with them by then. I think that she's going to take a few month hiatus and she's going to be back at it again after they do some goodwill, not including her, and they get back in the. Goodwill, we're going to donate to Kim Kardashian. 
we're gonna we're gonna donate to um child trafficking yeah um so yeah you know causes yeah. to make sure that doesn't happen which is a great cause yeah. in and of itself for sure but they love controversies and they do and it's just like yeah pushing the boundaries great and everything but then it's like yeah you pushed it straight off the cliff on this one and that you know what yeah. that's a really good point which is creative freedom and yeah you know and and again that comes back to when you're working with influencers specifically i'm getting more into like influencers yeah. rather than celebrities because celebrities have a team of people that are really yeah. well qualified to generally help guide them in the right direction even though they do still fumble yeah but influencers who are solo and have essentially built whatever they've built on their own, they don't really yeah. have that same level of tender love and care with, you know, their image um, from an outsider perspective. Like they're just working off of their one unique perspective yeah. and they're going to drop the ball admittedly. They are. And more. I remember we've had an issue. I don't think there has been that many issues, but I definitely know in the past, like something said like politically, on one of the spectrums that was very, very far left or very far right, that was very controversial. And a brand saw that and was like, hey, no bueno, like we're not cool with that. Like you said, you pre-vetted everything. But like when somebody has 116 videos on YouTube, each are 35 minutes long, like you have to go through it with like a fine tooth comb. Yeah. And they don't have people and you know, they may be defiant about um, their beliefs and everything. So mm -hmm. like, um, I know we've got feedback from our influencers about, you know, celebrating, you know, diversity of, you know, a multitude of things. And some people are like, hey, like this doesn't speak to me. It's like, hey, we're trying to just, you know, embrace all cultures and everything and, um, you know, all walks of life. And, you know, some influencers are not that acceptable of that, which, you know, those are people that don't have teams that aren't. Maybe, yeah. So it's just kind of like there is a fine line of, you know, having these influencers on our platform that do drive sales. But, you know, they may not be always the uh, most politically correct people. And, yeah. you know, that comes down to, you know, us being like, do we really want to work with these people anymore? Um, so it's just hard, you know, because they're not like media trained or anything. And that's the mitigation of risk when it comes to working with these yeah people and these influencers because sure. it's like they're this is more of you know a return on investment play than it is a brand awareness play so they're knowing that these people can deliver sales for the brands so do they want to work with them and get the sales rather than working with an influencer maybe that checks all the boxes on paper but can't deliver sales mm -hmm. so and you know most of the times we get budgets from affiliates um, of companies, so they need to see sales in order if they want to continue working with us. It's not just like, oh, great, we got eight hundred thousand views, but zero sales. Like that's not no bueno with them. So, and that actually is a really nice segue into another question I have for yeah. you: influencers in the partnership world. What yeah. makes the best of the best stand out among influencers? Uh, I think you know good engagement. You can clearly tell if somebody has a million followers and gets maybe a thousand likes. Like, that's a little suspect. You know, there still are fake followers out there. People saying they can get you verified, can get you all these followers and everything. They say they clear them out from people's following. So, like, oh, there's no fake followers. But they're, it's still out there. So, finding good people. You know, we have kind of like a, a sweet spot of like 50,000 to 150,000 subscribers on YouTube that we see sales, like thousands of dollars worth of sales each per each one, like per campaign. So, if you have like 
only like 50,000 followers and getting 20,000 views and you're seeing that, you know, you're delivering like $4,000 worth of sales, that's a good investment because you're probably not paying that much money to that influencer and then you're just paying a commission on top, maybe it'd be 5%, 10% of total sales generated. So I think, you know, just looking into that engagement is, you know, key and just seeing somebody that's going to deliver clear and concise content as well is another thing just because you want them obviously to, you know, be good on camera and have some media, even if they don't have media training, look like they, they've been there before. So you can self-train. It's fine. You just, can, do something. You just do something. You can go to Durai online and get your media training. So advice to uh, people out there who are wanting to become influencers. I think it was like one in four people that are. Under oh my gosh. Of, like, you know, that's so be sad for our, our next generation. I, <laughs> like, I think it's that just, people are going to be humbled real quick. I would say do not focus on this being your bread and butter. Very few people make it as a full-time influencer. So, mm-hmm. you know, have another craft or go to go to college, please. <laughs> or trade school even. Like, have another thing. But I would just say, you know, be authentic and, you know, be real with your followers and you'll get more traction rather than, you know, trying to fit into a box where everybody else is like, I'm going to be a lifestyle influencer, so I'm going to cover everything. And you're like, well, I really don't like beauty, but I'm going to say I'm lifestyle and I'll do all these other things too. Like, be beauty. Like, go in lane that works best for you. Even if it will, like, take you out of some, you know, deals, I think it's going to work best in the long run for you. So being authentic. I think this is actually a full circle moment back to what you said at the very beginning of this episode when you said, I saw an opportunity for me to be like, what did you say? Like a fringe or a part of it without having to be, you know, in the center of it all yes, when like it comes a big, to celebrity. Big, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I like, I definitely like, you know, working to climb up, you know, whatever that corporate ladder was and just kind of really being putting everything in there and, you know, going for it, I think. Um, but I knew like at the time, at least versus being an influencer, like I had an assistant salary so I could, you know, I wasn't going to like, you know, drop off, but like it was helpful that I, you know, wanted to make it to the top, but I, you know, just focused and, you know, did something that I was really passionate about and I'm still kind of, you know, passionate about influencers and, you know, here now working in like a different subset, but, you know, very interesting subset. So, And that's the magic of it is that the industry in and of itself and the industry of brands and marketing and advertising and celebrity, it has so many layers and there are so many people that are a part of that world that are not the center of attention. And that's like a very nice point back to don't make it your full-time job just to do that. And I would agree because I think it leads to burnout. I think it's an incredibly difficult career um, and it is not for everybody. And that's not because you're not worthy of it or your life's not interesting enough. It's just simply a grind that I think a lot of people burn out and a lot of influencers that I talk to have like a three to five year shelf life with it. And then they're like, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, because they're going to hit a peak. Not everybody can say like relevant. Even like people I know that were like on Dancing with the Stars, like, Rosanna Posada was like a chef or something years ago on YouTube. Like I don't really hear much from her now. Like yeah. you know, she peaked and you know moved on, and it's just kind of like that's going to happen with most influencers. You have a shelf life, yeah, and most celebrities do too. So same, yeah, and, and with careers, you know, we all <laughs> exactly, retire. Yes. Some of us pivot into different industries, and some of us do different things, and. For the most part, I think that life is just a cycle of like, you know, successes and failures and successes and failures. 
So ebbs and flows, <laughs> ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. Life lessons and uh, you know things to yeah. hang up on your wall and talk For about sure. at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Exactly. And they're like, "What's an influencer?" I'm like, "Okay." We'll just talk about something else. I would die to be a fly on the wall for your Christmas. Like, I would love. Well, it was easier when I was working with, like, B&C-list celebrities. I was like, remember Joey from Blossom? I just did a commercial for him. Like, oh, okay. But now, like, a YouTuber who has 50,000 subscribers are like, who? Well, oh, how are we getting paid? It's still very interesting, you know? Yeah. It's just, but, yeah, I'm sure it's yeah. just drastically a little bit different. They at least have some point of reference. But now it's like, because they don't go on YouTube. It's just they're very, yeah, so. Yeah, YouTube is a beast in and of itself. Andy, I might need to have you on for another episode where we literally just talk about YouTube because. I would love to. Every time I tell people that YouTube is the biggest social media platform, they're like, wait, excuse me, what? I'm like, yeah, Yeah. while you're over here spending all of your dollars on Meta, I need you to remember. conversion rate for sales for our company. It doesn't shock me whatsoever. It lives in perpetuity. Like you're not going to scroll down someone's Instagram page like from two years ago. You might if you're a creeper like I am. But I'm, I was going to say I do that all the time. <laughs> um, but for YouTube, it's just like they'll maybe post one video a week, so it's easy to go back a couple of years and be like, "Oh my gosh, that's a cool product. I wonder if they still have it." Click on the link, and like mm-hmm. they don't get credit for it after like a certain like cookie window. But like it still is like. <sighs> Um, there, we need so. to talk cookies yes. too. Oh my gosh, Andy, I Hard have to, to have you back on the episode. For my goodness. Sure. Oh, well, okay. Andy, it was so amazing talking to you. And yes. you are a wealth of knowledge and idea and inspiration. And I feel like we could just sit here and talk for hours. Days even. <laughs> so I, I would love to have you tell the audience where can they find you? How can they follow you? Where can they learn from you? Of course. Yeah, yeah, probably my Instagram's the best place at the Andy Hall. Um, And then, yeah, on LinkedIn, I'm at Andy Hall about any business um, that you're interested in or if you want to talk about, you know, affiliate. Amazing. H-O-H-L is Hall Andy Hall. Correct. Go follow him. And um, Andy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yes, it was a pleasure. Can't wait to talk again. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Social Complex Podcast. Your support means the world to me. So if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, be sure to leave a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. We'll be releasing a new episode every Tuesday, bringing you various stories, deep dives, and discussions around the complexities of social media in our modern world. To follow along for more, be sure to follow us at Your Social HQ on Instagram or check out Social HQ at www.yoursocialhq.com. I'm your host, Hillary Applegate, and I'll see you back here next week. Stay sane out there.